Section 1 of Stories of the First American Animals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. Stories of the First American Animals by George Langford. Section 1 General Introduction. The laws of nature are the same now as when life began upon the earth. Not one drop of water or grain of sand has been lost or gained. But the story of animal life is one of many changes, a panorama of constant progress upward from humble to higher forms, finally resulting in an exalted type, man. One hundred million years ago, a prodigiously long time that can only be guessed at, the land of our world was bare of stirring life and the water contained only the simplest of creatures resembling tiny globules of gelatin. After a long, long time, there appeared flabby mollusks living in shells, sponges, corals, crab-like trilobites, and many other sea-dwellers of lowly form. Fishes were slow in coming, but their arrival marked a great change in the progress of animal life, for they were the first vertebrates, or creatures with spinal columns and bony skeletons. They had gills or clefts behind their jaws, which enabled them to breathe under water. But in time, some of them acquired cavities in their bodies, which served as lungs so that they could sustain life when stranded on sandbars or when receding waters left them high and dry upon mudflats. No doubt, many learned to flop their way overland from pool to pool, and thus began a new order of lizard and toad-like beings, the amphibians, with short feeble legs in place of fins. They had gills at birth, and lived for a time like fishes, but when grown up, the gills fell into disuse, and lungs served instead. They crawled out of the water to waddle about, and such was the beginning of land animals. Reptiles appeared next. They had no gills, and their internal organs were more complicated than those of the amphibians. Their cold, slimy bodies were covered with scales or plates. Evidently the world was then very attractive to reptiles, for they prospered and multiplied until earth, sea, and sky were overrun with them. Some went back to the old water life, while others waddled about on land, and still others developed skin wings which enabled them to glide through the air or flutter about like big bats. Bird life began, for birds were originally members of the reptile family that had learned how to fly. Dinosaurs, however, were the largest and most abundant of the reptiles. Their brains were ridiculously small compared with their huge and ungainly bodies, and they possessed little or no intelligence. The age of reptiles lasted for millions of years, and then for some unknown reason, it ended. The dinosaurs and their kind passed away, leaving only a few crocodiles, turtles, and lizards as reminders of their former greatness. Meanwhile, a new order of creatures had appeared in the world. Their bodies, unlike those of the reptiles, were warm to the touch and covered with hair. These were the mammals, very small and timid at first, and a very primitive type, distantly related to reptiles. These, the marsupials, are now represented by our opossum and kangaroo. They were followed by true mammals, which, from small and inconspicuous forms, developed into highly specialized and diversified types with comparatively large brains. With the age of mammals began the power of mind, Man was the latest arrival. Until about 50,000 years ago, he attracted little attention, and not until thousands of years later did
did he become powerful enough to assume the mastery over all living things. Such, in brief, is the ancient animal life history of the world. The age of mammals, or era of modern life, has been divided into five periods. Beginning with the oldest, these are Eocene, or Dawn Recent, Oligocene, or Little Recent, Miocene, or Less Recent, Pliocene, or More Recent, Pleistocene, or Most Recent. Each period marks a pronounced change in the upward progress of animal life. The evidence is to be found in rocks, compact layers of sand, gravel, clay, and other earthy materials spread out one upon another by wind, water, or volcanic action, gradually rising to hundreds and even thousands of feet in thickness, and preserving within them the remains of such animals and plants as existed while the layers were accumulating. Today, wind and water action, together with other forces of nature, have worn or cut away these same rocks, exposing their contents, so that from the animal and plant remains, a history can be written of the life that was. The bones of ancient animals being petrified or changed to stone are usually found much broken and scattered, but the teeth are better preserved, because of their hard enamel coats, a fortunate circumstance, for an animal's identity may best be learned from its teeth, and often one gives the desired information. Bone-bearing rocks are found in all parts of the world. Those of North America, formed during the age of mammals, are best represented in the plains and badlands regions west of the Mississippi River. Badlands are once broad tablelands cut up by deep gullies and other depressions into all sorts of queer shapes. From the slopes of buttes, bluffs, and hills protrude the animal and plant remains which determine the period in which each series of rocks was formed. Once any form of life passed out of existence, its like never returned. This unfailing law of nature has made it possible for us to recognize each period of the age of mammals by noting the disappearance of old animal types and the occurrence of new ones. The rocks themselves give much information, for when the deposits of one period lie upon another, those below being laid down first are, of course, the oldest. Conditions did not favor the accumulation of rocks representing the five periods of the age of mammals all in one place, for this would have resulted in a veritable Tower of Babel at least five miles high. The accumulations of two periods and only parts at that are the most that can be hoped for in any one locality, but their relative positions and comparisons of animal remains embedded in them establish their ages, and by repeating this method of studying other bone-bearing localities, time values are established, and even though widely separated, the rocks of each period become arranged in their proper order. Each scattered and torn leaf then becomes part of a book, a record of the rocks entitled The Age of Mammals. To read this book, one must have some understanding of its rather strange language, for it deals with tremendously long periods, and tells of animals whose like cannot be found in the world today. Land levels, vegetation, and climate were different too. Mountains and great rivers were yet unborn. The arid plains of today were the jungles of old. Could we go back in time and travel over the United States, our country would appear an unknown and remote region. Strange animals were moving from place to place in search of suitable food and accommodations. All of them possessed the inborn power to adapt themselves to various conditions and to live the lives that suited them best. Some did not properly exercise this power, 
and finally cease to exist, while others improve their positions in various ways. Enterprising creatures like the camel and horse develop teeth and feet, enabling them to change from fertile lowland dwellers to inhabitants of the gradually broadening arid plains, thereby securing new feeding grounds and avoiding the competition and enmity of other animals. A few, like the tapir, serve their ends by plunging into thick jungles and leading lives of retirement. Every creature had its own way of trying to live and grow. None of them was thrown into the world without resource. All were sown like seeds with the power to shift their positions to such soil as best suited their healthful development. Every last one of them was given a chance, and even those who failed lived long lives and their disappearance was most gradual. Man has changed all this. His civilization has proven more destructive to mammals than hunger, cold, disease, and all other natural agencies put together. Those unwilling to become his slaves are being rapidly exterminated. The age of mammals has ended, and we are now living in the age of man. End of section 1